Good morning. So good to see everybody on this Memorial Day weekend. It's kind of the official start of summer, isn't it? And uh, looking forward to that. I think temperature-wise, we're already there. Getting pretty warm out there. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 again. And I'll ask you what I asked this uh, early service this morning. How many of you are ready for some good news? Okay, good. Seems like out in the world right now, there's not a whole lot of it. You know it? It just seems like bad news everywhere we're turned. Somebody getting shot or killed or something just going on. And so it's good to just come together uh, every week and just hear some, some good news. I feel sorry for those who <laughs> going through a rough week and they get to church and just get hammered even more and don't get any good news. Um, but getting good news does not mean... Um, getting what you want to hear, right? Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes uh, the good news of the gospel, our flesh doesn't like it at all. But our spirit, man, it, it does it good. And uh, so I'm going to try to give you some good news this morning. As we continue to go through uh, 1 Thessalonians today, we're going to finish up chapter 2, picking up where we left off last week. We're going to start reading in verse 13 and go through to the end. So let's all stand together one more time in honor of God's Word. 1 Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 13, Paul says, For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short, short while, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for your word. Lord, we know there is power contained in it. And Lord, I pray that that power, your power, would just be unleashed, um, God, through the words that you say this morning. God, let me just be a messenger of not my words, Lord, but, but yours. And that we may be changed by that and encounter Jesus through it. It's in his name I pray, amen. Over the past 10 years or so, there's been a, a resurgence in the popularity of superheroes. Uh, the two biggest, um, I guess, manufacturers or creators of superheroes, DC Comics and Marvel, they just churn out one movie after another. It seems every year just selling out theaters right and left. Everyone has their favorite superhero and arguments are had over which one could whip the other if they ever got in a fight. You could go online and read lots of articles as to 
why this phenomenon tends to happen throughout our, our culture's history. Some say that each surge in popularity is reflective of the political times that we live in. Others say it has more to do with social issues that are going on. There's lots of opinions on why we are so drawn to superheroes, and all of them are probably right. It's probably several factors that are coming together that cause that. But what I believe is the main reason is one that you're probably not going to find very many articles on because it has to do with the way that God wired us. Because God made us to find our greatest satisfaction in Him alone, there is a pull inside all of us towards something greater, stronger, more powerful than ourselves. If it's not superheroes that you're drawn to, it's going to be something else, something else that is greater than just you. God created us with hearts that are meant to be staggered by the awe and majesty of His might. And so it's naturally drawn to things like superheroes, even though they fall dramatically short of what only God can provide. Of course, each superhero has its unique skill or power that they possess. Spider-Man has the ability to shoot spider webs out of his hands and do spider things. (laughs) The Hulk has his superhuman strength. Aquaman, the ability to breathe underwater. Flash can run really, really fast. Superman can fly. And do pretty much what all the other superheroes can do too. Just don't get any kryptonite near him. Those are all the ones I mentioned in the early service. But I had somebody come up to me and say, I'm offended. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, now what? (laughs) You didn't talk about Wonder Woman. (laughs) They were kidding. They were being facetious. They weren't really offended. But Wonder Woman and her ability to lasso people and make them tell the truth, stop bullets with her bracelets, I don't know. (laughs) Point is, every superhero has a specific thing. But as entertaining as these superheroes are, they all have one fatal flaw that prevents them from being able to satisfy that longing that God created every one of us with, and that is a fact that they just aren't real. They're not real. They only exist in the imagination of storytellers, the pages of comic books, and the CGI technology of Hollywood. We want them to be real, but at the end of the day, they are nothing more than just silly fairy tales. The good news is that we don't have to be left wanting for what our hearts desire. We have been provided the satisfaction that our hearts long for, that no fictional superhero can fulfill. The death and resurrection of Jesus has made that possible. The God of all creation is not just a figment of someone's imagination. He is the most real thing you can ever encounter. And he even has a, a superpower that you will not find in any uh, fictional superhero because it's a power that I think is even too great for even Hollywood. First point in your notes there. 
if you're following along in the bulletin, God has a unique ability to create something out of nothing. Create something out of nothing. And that in itself is just incredible. And it's hard for us to wrap our human brains around that because that's not the world that we live in. If you and I are going to create anything, we've got to start with something. We've got to have some type of raw material to begin with. And whatever it is that we create, we are limited by how much raw material is available to us to make it with. But God doesn't need anything. He can create whatever he wants, as much of it as he wants, out of nothing. But it gets even more amazing. Because in order for him to do that, to be able to just create something out of nothing, God doesn't have to flex his muscles or put on a super suit or conjure up a spell or anything like that. All he has to do is simply speak a word and power greater than anything else in this universe is unleashed. Next point, God's power is unleashed just by speaking a word. Now let me attempt to describe just a fraction of what that power is like. Our son, which you'll see a picture of up on the screens, our son, it has a surface temperature of over 14,000 degrees and an internal temperature of 10 million degrees. To grasp the amount of energy that the sun produces, it has to be thought of in terms of a one megaton nuclear bomb. You don't measure the sun in inches or feet or anything like that. You measure it by one megaton bombs. How big is that? Well, the bomb we dropped on Hiroshima in World War II was just 15 kilotons. A one megaton bomb is 1,000 kilotons. And so it's 985 times bigger than the bomb that we dropped on Hiroshima. That's a megaton. But the sun produces energy equivalent to 100 billion megaton nuclear bombs going off all at the same time every single second. Every second of every day, all year long. And scientists say that the sun has enough material within itself to continue to do this for another 5 billion years. Wonder why it gets so hot in the summer? (laughs) There you go. And we are 93 million miles away from that. That's a lot of power. But our sun is just one of between 10 and 40 billion more just like it in our galaxy. Some of them even much bigger than our own sun. There's a picture of our galaxy right now, and no, our sun is not that bright thing in the center of it. The sun is way down there, a little bitty dot. You can't even see it from where you are sitting there in the midst of billions of others like it. And that little white area that you see right there, that's not the sun. That is the area that when you look up into the sky at night, that's as big as you can see. That's it. Just a very tiny part of our own solar system. And based just on, I mean the galaxy, based just on what's been observed through the Hubble telescope, which is the most powerful telescope we've created that's gone farther out in space than anything else, 
and all it's seen is just a tiny fraction of the universe, scientists estimate that there are a hundred billion more galaxies. Some of them even much bigger than our Milky Way, each containing over 100 billion stars that each generate 100 billion megatons of uh, energy every single second. And how is all that immense power and energy created? Started just by God uttering the words, let there be light. And the universe just exploded. It all came about by the word of God. Next point in your notes. When God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things happen. When he said, light, yes, something happened. Light came exploding out at 186,000 miles a second. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. That's some serious superpower. Now when God does speak, there's three things that he can do with that. Three powers, different kinds of power contained in just the words of his mouth. And these are listed next in your notes. What I just described is his creative power. That's what we see in the first chapter of Genesis. But as we read through the Bible, we see other kinds of power as well. That's unleashed just by him speaking a word. The second one being destructive power. Job 4.9 says, By the breath of God they perish. Isaiah 11.4, He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Psalm 46, 6, he raised his voice, the earth melted. God is so powerful that just by speaking a word, he can create and he can destroy. That is not someone to be trifled with or to be taken lightly. By the way, just a side note here. Part of what it means to be created in the image of God means that we have been given that same power, but on a much smaller scale. Every time we open our mouths, we are either bringing life or causing death. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, death, but the tongue of the wise brings healing, life. So we need to be very careful with the power that God has entrusted with our mouths. Don't think that your words don't have an effect. They most certainly do. They're either bringing life or causing death spend a whole sermon today just talking about that but there's a third kind of power unleashed when God speaks that I want to spend the majority of our time on this morning and that is transformative power when God speaks things are transformed they are changed from one state to another and that's the power that we see Paul speaking of here in first Thessalonians 2 
Look at verse 13 again. He says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. It's that work of transformation that he's talking about there. And then look what he says next. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Paul's referring to the original Christians over in Israel when he said the churches in Judea. Judea was another name for Israel at that time. Before they received the gospel, these people in Thessalonica were just a bunch of heathens. They worshipped many different idols and false gods and took part in all kinds of debauchery. And if you compared the way that the the Thessalonians lived before they received the gospel to the way that those original Christians lived over in Israel, you would see a very stark contrast. Huge difference between the way those two cultures lived. But here, Paul is pointing out how their lives look a lot alike. Well, how did that happen? Because they were supernaturally transformed. They quit living like heathens and started living like Christians. Now, the people in Thessalonica had never been around any other Christians before. Which is kind of odd because in order for someone to start living like someone else, normally you have to have been around those people for quite a long period of time before you naturally start doing that. I've known people, and I'm sure you have too, that have moved here to East Texas from maybe some big city up north, and it was pretty hard adjustment for them at first. I mean, people from outside this culture stand out because we're just different here in East Texas. It's a good different, but it is different. A foreigner can't just jump in and start living like an East Texan. But after a few years, if they've been here for a long time, you start to notice that they pick up on some of our same mannerisms and language quirks and even some of our East Texan ideology. It takes being submerged in a culture for quite some time before you start taking on the actions of that culture. But these Thessalonians were not submerged in a Christian culture, yet they suddenly started living like Christians who lived far away across the Mediterranean Sea. Well, how in the world did that start happening? A life change like that can only happen supernaturally, which is what happened because it came about by the Word of God. And then Paul gets more specific in how they were living like the Christians in Israel saying that they endured persecution the way that they did, which just proved how authentic this change was. You want to know if a change that has taken place in someone is real or not? Just watch how they respond when pressure comes. The Thessalonians endured a lot of pressure because of the persecution that they had endured for, for, for following Jesus, for being believers, but their faith never wavered. It showed that it was an authentic change. And so this dramatic transformation took place in them, not because they were taught lessons on how to be good Christians or taught how to endure persecution. There was no focus on their outward actions at all. They didn't receive good advice on how to live. They received good news. 
And that good news, the gospel, is the spoken word of God that transformed them on the inside, which then resulted in changes in the way they lived on the outside. The problem with much of the church in the United States today is that too many people are getting nothing but good advice instead of good news. There's too much explaining going on and not enough proclaiming. Advice and explanation won't change anyone. God's word is the only thing that can, which is what the gospel is. In Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Back in chapter 1, the first Thessalonians, he said in verse 5, Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. Now, pay attention to what Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says. It's going to be up on the screen. This is key. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. In these last days, she's talking about the time between Jesus' ascension and his return, which is the time you and I are living in. In these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son. And that is precisely why John refers to Jesus the way that he does at the beginning of his book. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He calls Jesus the Word of God. Jesus is the only one who can supernaturally transform, heal, restore men set free because he is the spoken Word of God. And when God speaks, things happen. Want to hear something really neat? At the moment you receive Jesus, the same thing takes place inside of you that took place on the day of creation when God spoke the universe into existence. He says, come alive to your dead spirit the way that Jesus called Lazarus from the grave. He speaks forgiven And the barrier of sin that kept you separated from God is removed forever. He speaks holy, declaring you clean and set apart for his purposes. He declares mine. And in an instant, you are transformed from an orphan to a favored son or daughter. He says accepted, loved, healed, new, justify, and instantaneously you become those things that he declares, just as those stars exploded into his existence at the sound of his voice. And here's something else about it. When God speaks like that, whatever it is that he says never fails to come about. Never does. In Isaiah 55, 11, he said, So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. 
Now, we love to apply that verse to just about any and all situations, but the context of that, it's in the middle of a prophecy about Jesus, of the gospel. And this is what God is talking about when he said that. And so your dead spirit could not have refused his command to come alive no more than the stars could have refused to appear when he said, let there be light. There's some of you in here today, I'm sure of it, because so many of us have these same struggles. Some of you in here that struggle with with who you really are in Christ. Your identity in Him. It's hard for you to believe that you really are forgiven. That you really are loved or accepted. Because you don't feel like you are. Listen to me. Whether you are or not has absolutely nothing to do with how you feel about it. Quit allowing your level of faith to be based on your emotions. Emotions are fickle, and they will deceive you every time. You should believe and accept who you are, not because you feel it, but because God said it. And what God says, nothing can stand against. At the moment of salvation, at the moment that you put all of your faith and hope in Jesus as the only way for you to be made right with God, at that moment you instantly become these things. Not because of what you did, but because of what God said. And nothing can undo that. Life exploded inside of you like the stars exploded in the heavens. But notice how Paul phrases that last line of verse 13. He says, the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. He doesn't say performed its work, past tense. He says performs it, present tense. The ESV translation says, which is at work in you who believe. Now, in other words, it didn't just happen at the moment of salvation. It is still happening now. That transformative power of God's word is still in operation. Over the last 50 years or so, it seems that the church in the United States has just lost a lot of its life and power and influence. And I believe that a very big reason for that is because we've just gotten away from the Word of God. And I'm not talking about getting away from the Bible. Yes, there's been a lot of that too. But I mean we've gotten away from his word in this particular context. Here's what I mean by that. Over the course of those years, here is how Christianity has largely been presented and taught. We start with the gospel and what Christ has done for you. This is who you are now as a child of God. And that's all good. I mean, we announce this profession of faith. We we do a public baptism and we make much of a new convert. and Talk about how awesome things are going to be now. But from there, in order to live as a Christian and grow in spiritual maturity, 
It's mostly been, now follow this list of do's and don'ts, rather than continuing to focus on the gospel, the spoken word of God through Jesus and what he says through him. Yeah, there's been some focus on the Bible. The the Bible has been taught more like an instruction manual rather than the declared word of God that it is. New Testament texts have been used as as things like motivation for for more of God's blessing. If you will just do this, this, and this, then God is going to do this for you. He's going to bless you more. He's going to have more favor on you. God's going to like you more. And then as a warning for his curse, as in do this or else. If you don't do this, all kinds of bad things are going to happen to you. Old Testament stories were used to teach lessons on moralism using them as instructions on how we're supposed to, to copy what the character in the Old Testament story did, rather than shadows of what God would declare through Jesus. After salvation, I mean, the Christian life has essentially become nothing more than behavior modification. No life in that. You know, it is possible to teach from the Bible but not teach the Word of God? I mean, when you teach it like I was just describing, God's going, I didn't say that. (laughs) And what's been the fruit of all that? Well, just look around. The world having more influence on the church than the church has on the world. People leaving the church in droves, especially younger people. And those that do go to church just seem to lack the, the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, just struggling and scraping and just trying to get by and live up to certain things. And why has it been this way? Why? Because this supposed awesome new life that they are saved to has now become a bunch of religious expectations that nobody can live up to. The church lost its life and its power because it got away from the most powerful and life-giving force in the universe, the Word of God as revealed through Jesus. It's gotten away from the gospel. In order to grow and mature and continue to be transformed, you don't get away from what transformed you in the first place. You continue with it. The power that first transformed you is the only power that can continue to transform you. See, here's the deal. Every problem that you and I face in life, every struggle that we wrestle with, every stronghold that seems to hold us back and we just can't get over that hump, just seems to be like a claw in us, every one of those things has its remedy in something that God says about us in the gospel. Every one of them. If it's fear that's such a stronghold in our life, then we need to hear and really believe God's word of love. Because 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. If it's rejection issues, we need to hear and truly believe God's word of adoption. 
what it means to be accepted by him, if it's guilt, his word of forgiveness, on and on I could go with this. Just if this is the issue in your life, here's what God says about it. And receive his word and let that transformative power do its work in us. Too many times our first thought in order to fix a problem is, what do I need to do? And probably more than anything else, we need to be asking, what do I need to hear? What is God saying about this? Because I'm telling you right now, the power isn't in what you do. It's all in what God says. And in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. And so if you're trying to hear the voice of the Lord in your life, you will not hear that accurately outside of the context of the gospel. You simply won't because he hasn't spoken through anything else. His son. And that's why I always say that we can't get away from it into something else. There is nothing else that will change you like the word God has spoken through Jesus. And I'll wrap this up by saying this. So many of us are just not living to our full potential in Christ because we're simply just not hearing God's word. We're not hearing because we're not listening or we're listening in the wrong places. Where is he spoken? Through Jesus. Where do we find what he said exactly? Through his written word. That's why whenever you read the Bible, you should always read it looking for Jesus. Because the only way we are changed is when we encounter him. When we encounter him. And he wants us to encounter him in his word. I know many of you, I'm not the only preacher you listen to, and that's good. And I'm not arrogant enough to think I have a monopoly on truth. You need to hear other people speaking truth into your life. But if you're listening to somebody else on TV or a podcast or anything right now, listen. Be careful. Because if they are not preaching Jesus, they are not preaching the word of God. It's as simple as that. Because that's how he has spoken to us in these last days. Next week, I'm going to continue on this theme here. We're going to get away from 1 Thessalonians and look at another text where God is saying something to us. And it's something that's, <laughs> we've got to hear it. and We've got to receive it. The problem is, it's, it's something he says that it seems the majority of us have probably the hardest time really receiving this word of his. We believe it here, but there's just a disconnect of getting it right here. But it's something he says that if you do, it'll transform you more than anything else. Some of our teenagers are going to take part in it as well with the presentation that goes with it that is so powerful. You're not going to want to miss that. So 
be sure to be here. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Lord, that you have even allowed us to hear the things that you say. Lord, the only thing that we deserve to hear is depart from me, I never knew you. But because you gave your life and your son Jesus and you removed that curse of sin that caused us to deserve to hear those words. It's only through him, Lord, that we can now hear your voice. Hear you speak in your words of love and grace and acceptance and forgiveness. Because of Jesus, we know that one day we'll get to hear the words, well done. Enter into the joy of your master. God, as Darren said earlier, there are so many other voices that constantly come at us on a daily basis, and most of them are nothing but lies. God, I pray that you instill in us a, a desire, a hunger for your voice of truth. And Lord, that we would be so close to you, so familiar with truth, that when those lies come at us, we would immediately recognize them for what they are. Lord, would you just break through the barriers that prevent us from not only hearing what you're saying, but being able to receive it deep down in our hearts. Lord, I pray for anybody that might be here this morning. That may be for the first time hearing you say come come alive be mine and Lord they turn from their ways and follow you Lord let the power of your word do its work in us in Jesus name I pray amen